Warning, this podcast contains strong language, graphic nudity, and depictions of extreme stupidity and is meant only for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Or not, you do you. Hello. All right. (laughs) This is the energy we're going with today. I'm Amanda. I am a meat sack. That is Evan, and this is... The worst podcast on Mars, Baby Tiny Small, Mini Reviews Days, and this week we're doing Miles Davis Bitches Brew. Evan, when was it released? In time. In space. In our hearts. What year? March 30th, 1970. Why are you laughing? Is it because I'm glaring at you? Prove it. Prove it. So, um... As you may have guessed, Bitches Brew was groundbreaking and controversial. Groundbreaking? Did I tell you about my new groundbreaking invention? I'm going to hate this dad joke. What? It's called a shovel. As you may have guessed, Bitches Brew was groundbreaking and controversial right from the get-go. Aside from the name, the cover painting captures, quote, free love and flower powder. Powder? <laughs> flower power depicting a naked black couple looking expectantly at an ocean a huge vibrant red flower beside them the music on this album was extraordinary and just as provocative as the cover art made it seem bitches brew was the turning point for davis's career in that he could no longer go back to the traditional jazz roots roots Hi. (laughs) Jazz roots in which he came. We hear rock and African music grooves throughout the album that brought not only a new audience to Davis, but also seemed to divide them as well. One that was jazz and one that was rock. The jazz fans thought it had a scary and confrontational vibe. This album not only gave life and credibility to the jazz rock genre, but also helped to give many musicians a jump start to a much larger career, which we just talked about with Dr. Dre. On this album, we can hear Herbie Hancock, Bernie Maupin, John McLaughlin, and Chick Corea. All of these musicians would go on to become successful in their own right. Recording included 13 musicians and took place over just three days. The rhythm section on the third day consisted of 11 musicians made up of three keyboardists, an electric guitar, two basses, four drummers slash percussionists, and a bass clarinet. (laughs) Bitches Brew sold more than 100,000, nope, that's a million, million copies (laughs) with 500,000 of those within just the first year, which at the time was just unheard of for a jazz musician. Fun fact, on milesdavis.com, where they discuss this album, they actually show the memo sent by producer Teo Macaro to the higher-ups at Columbia Records that simply said, quote, Miles just called and said he wants this album to be titled Bitches Brew. Please advise. I thought that was a neat little bit of history, because I am a nerd, but it was just a, a, a typed memo. And that was all, it was like two lines. He wants it to be called Bitches Brew. Please advise. And 
very interesting because you said this was 1970. 70. So, jazz was on its way out. Well, it was most of the traditional jazz that you think of, like the Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, the early Miles Davis, Louis Armstrong, all that is gone at this point. And, and Kind of Blue was 50s. Yeah, and you have, it'll get a little bit into my review, but you have artists that have a jazz influence emerging. Right, right. So, again, I kind of, and I've been bringing this up a lot in these recent episodes, but I was kind of trying to weave together a through line with some of these reviews days and the ones I picked specifically for the Friday episodes. And then you have mine just poof out of nowhere that has nothing to do with anything. And then yeah. you re- and you get in there and you're like, oh yeah, okay, there's well, kind of... And some of these, like when we did Kendrick Lamar, he was on my list to do at some point. I just thought it would be a good time. Same with this album. I wanted to do this album. We have it on our records wall that we keep talking about. And so I've, I've wanted to sit down and do it. Um, but I picked it here, um, because I picked Kendrick Lamar at that time because of Dr. Dre. Gotta start with him. And the music he did on To Pimp a Butterfly kind of had that, a jazz feel to it. So I thought it would be a good time to do this now. And and Mariah Carey, in Daydream, we talked about how she was the first to kind of make the the cross-genre mainstream. But that was with pop, and pop is short for popular music. So Bitches Brew also kind of did that because he infused rock, which was still fairly new at the time. I mean... Well... If you think Elvis is the king of rock, he was 50s. Yeah. So it's, it's at this at, time, it's a teenager. Yeah, and it had been more, not necessarily gospel, but like a, a country. And then that sort of... And it was like really bubblegummy. What, so, the Archies, I think? Yeah, and early Beatles and, you know, stuff and, like and that. And then you get to a point where you have stuff like the Kinks and... Zappa, and you have mm-hmm. some of this stuff. It's it's a little bit harder. Zappa, not necessarily, but that kind of starts to blend the line. Mm-hmm. But here you have Miles Davis, who knows the old style of jazz that he was used to playing is not going to sell well anymore. It's not going to be because people are going towards rock. So he's infusing that to create something new. And this album just blew up. So it's the turducken of music. There you go. Um, thank you to Miles Davis and the Making of Bitches Brew, Sorcerer's Brew by Paul Tingen, published October 7th, 2021 on jazztimes.com. Thank you to Bitches Brew, no author, no date on milesdavis.com. And thank you to It Sounded Like the Future, behind Miles Davis's greatest album by Jim Farber, published February 24th, 2020 on theguardian.com. And before we go any further... I was really impressed with the Miles Davis website. It had an interactive timeline from the time of his birth to now. I mean, he he passed away, and um, now you have your posthumous, posthumous, posthumous 
posthumous is how I read it. <laughs> that word, after death, albums. But it had a very interesting, like, timeline where you can see, like, all of these different things. And it talked about kind of blue. And, it you know, kind of like the evolution. So I spent a lot of time just playing around with that and reading. Because before you came along... <laughs> And, you know, I had this idea, screwed you up. I had this idea of, you know, a lot of, a lot of girls when they're young, they, they dream of their wedding and what their family would look like and what they're going to name their kids. And I have always been into music, even though like, I don't like listening to jazz so much. I like playing jazz. I wanted to name my boy Miles Davis, just because I thought it was an awesome name and it represented a huge name in music. 1991 is when he died. Yeah. So you came along and fucked it all up. So thanks. I mean, anyway. <laughs> I, I'm sure I'm not the first. I'm sure you're not the first person to dream I've ruined. Um, okay. So moving on. The way we do this. This person who picked it explains why. And then the other person gives their review. So this was a me pick. Um, and I picked this one for a few reasons um way back sometime last year when we talked kind of blue why are you laughing way back sometime last year i couldn't remember when that episode i know it was episode six so it came out probably june june of last year um it's really been that long yeah yeah i didn't realize that was that early but we had also started recording in like february so it was I, yeah, probably I, done I didn't realize in february we, or March. we did it that early though yeah but it was, yeah, it was very, very early on. Um, but when we talked Hiding Blue, I mentioned that I wanted to do this one and was a bit surprised that it wasn't on that big Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list that we're pulling from. It's on our records wall, like I said, but I don't exactly remember why. I mean, I do now, having done the research, but... I don't remember why it was on the wall. I don't know if it had anything to do with the really that research. I we'll think. have to look at it because I maybe I'm wrong. But um, I, I love the cover, and he is one of the jazz greats, so I've always wanted to check out this album. I just never have. Because, um, honestly, how often do we pull records off that wall and throw them on our record player? Never. Um, however, going into it, I wasn't sure I was going to keep anything. Um, I've been you know, fairly certain I wasn't going to keep anything. Because when we did Kind of Blue, I remember saying that it would be great in the background as ambiance music and i had a feeling that this one might be similar i don't gravitate to jazz just to listen i prefer to play it but since i haven't touched an instrument in a long time i don't see that happening anytime soon so um that is why i picked it and, and like i said i i wanted to weave it in with all of the other things we have done recently um and I know, I knew, I knew you were going to struggle with it, but I thought it was an important one to do. So, Evan, your review, please. Okay, so I'll get into it and say, I've kind of said this about Dre and a couple of the other ones, Kendrick Lamar, that it's not for me, but I can appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the big things, like I know, a couple of weeks ago we finally got into my like the the background. Like I was telling my origin story of what I think of your villain origin story. Yes, of 
rap and hip hop. And we're going to get into the origin story of jazz in this one. And I think it's kind of like um, the Charlie Smith episode where there's some ideas here and there, but it's not fleshed out enough or the pieces are too long. Like on Kind of Blue, you have... You have, you'll have the chorus and courses in loose quotes, but you'll have this main theme and then somebody will get a solo and that'll be your verse. And then you'll go back to the main theme and then somebody else will have a solo. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the way I, I believe the kind of blue was presented. This, I'll, I'll B, B minus in that range. This reminds me of like a Zappa where there's a lot going on, but at least in like Billy the Mountain, there was a story Mm -hmm. that you could follow. There's not a through line with this. It's just, for lack of better words, it's just noises. It's just sounds. You know what I mean? And that's... Maybe that's because I don't have a background in music, mm-hmm. but it, it just sounds like there's a lot of different things going on. And I'm, I'm looking at the track listing in terms of time. Like, Bitches Brew is 27 minutes. They were long. So. I could get through almost the entirety of Rain and Blood or Black Monk Time. I could get, I could nearly get through. Achilles Agony and Ecstasy in eight parts. I could get through the Odyssey by Symphony X. I could get through all that in that time. Uh, Pharaoh's Dance is 20. I can listen to the live version of Hinagata Devita. I can listen to, I think, the live version of Whole Lot of Love, or at least most of it. Um, Spanish Key. I can get through the entire, almost the entirety of Empire of the Clouds, which is a world war one it's it's off of uh iron man's book of souls it's about the r101 zeppelin disaster mm-hmm. you know um sanctuary and miles davis miles runs the voodoo down uh 11 minutes and 14 minutes you know i can get through some of these longer pieces that i don't have a problem with a 10 minute track I have a problem with the 10 minute track that has no structure. It just kind of it just goes, goes to go. Yeah. Like Greengrass and High Tides has what? A f- or Freebird have what? Four or five minute guitar solo at the end of it. Mm-hmm. But at least it had somewhat of a structure and then it devolved into like a jazz piece where you're just going to go. The uh, a better example for. Kind of Blue was um, the solo for Hangar 18 by Megadeth, where it had this little section, and then it had the, that, uh, I think it repeated four times, that little riff, and then it would go into another part of a solo. Mm-hmm. That's the way Kind of Blue was structured. This is, this really doesn't have any structure to me. And that's my problem with it. You know, it's not the fact that they're 20, 27 minutes. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It's if if it was Billy the Mountain and there was a story behind it, fine. You know, but I think 
Zappa is the is a great comparison to what this album is. You know, because Zappa had that kind of there was a more of a jazzy influence to that. Yeah. So I I think based on the album that you picked, I think a Zappa album would have been better because you would you would have gotten the same type of fusion, and you would have had some of the similar length pieces. But it would have been easier to listen to. But Frank Zappa is not on our wall. Yes, he is. Is he? Yeah, Mothers of Invention. It's oh, it's like the second or third one up there. It's the third one. It's uh, the Mothers of Invention. Freak out is. I don't remember which one. I think Blonde on Blonde was released earlier, but I don't know when they were recorded. It's one of the first couple double albums. That's why it's on the wall. Wait. Blonde on, wait, what am I thinking of? Blonde on Blonde. Blonde on Blonde is Dylan. What am I thinking of then? The Freewheel and Bob Dylan? No. Highway 61? Death by Blonde. Death by Blonde. Devochka? Yes. <laughs> Which is also kind of a jazz influence, but I think they're from Colorado. Okay, anyway. Going forward. It, it was hard to listen to. Yeah. And I think if and, you aren't a huge jazz fan... Everything you listen to of jazz is going to be hard to to get into. Well, the the shorter and by shorter I mean the ten minute one and the well, there's a four minute one, but the the side four because this was a double album, so Miles runs the booted down in Sanctuary were probably the easiest ones to listen to. Mm-hmm. Out of the longer tracks, yeah. But it, it was, it was difficult, and I think I I actually listened to kind of blue again. It just in not not in one sitting, but I added a few Miles Davis albums to my project list. You know, I figured I'd add this to it because it's already in the library, and I, I wanted to kind of compare. I could not tell you. Now, granted, I, I played I played it on shuffle a little bit. I knew that I I knew which songs were from Bridges Brew. You know, I, I made sure to put those in. But I think I listened to one from Kind of Blue before it, and I couldn't tell you a difference from. I I could hear more of a rock sound, but I couldn't tell you what piece right. was what because right. it, it does all have a similar sound to it. Hmm. Too. Yeah, and I knew you weren't going to like it. I think if it was released as kind of like Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 or Mesmerize and Hypnotize where it wasn't an hour and a half in one, you know, if if you broke it down as two 45-minute releases, like um, Hunger Games Part 1 and 2 Mm -hmm. or Harry Potter 1 and 2, it all goes together, but it's... It's two separate releases. Right. I think that would help its case. Okay. But I I don't think I hated it as much as you thought I would. Mm. And I'm finally done. Okay. My turn then. So uh, normally I do these reviews track track by track. But I knew that that was going to be hard for me to do here. I did recognize bits and pieces of Bitches Brew, but that's about it. The tracks were really long, like you said, which I think is pretty much a standard of jazz. Like, 
from my experience playing, like, if you have a really good improv player, you just say, hey, you're going to solo here, take, like, 32 bars. Or what? You just give them a number and they go. I don't think they're traditionally this long. No. But if you've got a good groove going and you're feeding, let's say it's a live show and you're feeding off an audience and you've got a really good improv player, you know, you can, they can just keep going and then they just, like, I, I have had one musician that the director said, you know, I want you to solo here and just nod when you're done. And so he nodded and then counted us all back in. And it, so it's, it's very free. There's like a, it's organized mess <laughs> is really what jazz is. Um, so you, you just kind of groove and it is what it is by the time you're done and you're, and you're happy with it, which is essentially what Bridges, Bitches Brew was. So I agree with everything I read about it. It really is where jazz and rock meet. I can't understand why it was so divisive at the time, but it was so very new. So I guess you had to be there to really appreciate it. Maybe kind of like the monks where it's it's like, what is happening? We don't like this. We don't like change. And we, we talked about that kind of when we did Jimi Hendrix is like somebody said there's... There's two decades or two classes of guitar playing. There's before Hendrix and after Hendrix. But to us, since we've heard it so much, it's just the same as everything else. But if you were there experiencing it for the first time, experience the Jimi Hendrix experience for the first time, it blew your mind. So I think that's kind of the same thing here. If you were to experience it for the first time at a time where it's not common, it's different. Um... I thought it was a really good album, and I think I liked it better as a whole over Kind of Blue. This was more upbeat and peppy, and I think this might actually be better ambiance music, but I would definitely use the two on a Miles Davis playlist. Like, if we were having a fancy dinner party, I would put both of these on a playlist and just hit shuffle. What What are you laughing at? What is the cat doing? Do you not see her? I can't. It's around the corner from me. Not that one. This one. What one? Oh, the one laying on the laptop? Okay. So, um, I do have to say that while I'm not keeping Feo, I thought it was a lot like Pink Floyd stuff. Like, I imagine getting really high and just listening and getting freaked out kind of thing. I thought it was cool. Um, overall, Bitches Brew is an amazing album, and after giving it a listen, I'm very surprised that it's not on our big list. Like, I, I know I was expecting it to be, and I was surprised that it wasn't, and now after hearing it, I'm really surprised it's not. Um, it should be. It's so good, and I can see how it influenced so much moving forward, but I, I kept nothing, and the rating for what it is and what it did, an A, but since I didn't keep anything, I gave it a B-. minus. Like, it's a good listen. But other than that, no. Why, again, why are you laughing? Because she's laying on the table and he's reaching out and just attacking her back legs. Oh. And now she's Now like, she's up and choosing chaos? Yeah, and she's smacking him. Okay, well. Her T-Rex arms can't reach Is it now. time to go and yep. wrangle cats? So thank you for listening. 
You can find us on Instagram and, and threads at Worst Pod on Mars and Facebook at Worst Podcast on Mars. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Send us an email for uh, these Tuesday things we have. So this is the last one in August. August. We have September picked. We've got October picked to do. We're doing some spooky things again. I'm excited. Um, we have some ideas for November. Um, but, you know, get, get in touch with us. And, and we'll throw things in. We have one coming up. Somebody reached out to us. Um, so I'm excited to check that stuff out. But, um, yeah, let us know what you'd like to hear. And then come back on Fridays when we do these longer episodes where I do a deep dive into the history behind it. And how give you the information on how it charted and why it was so popular and stuff. And uh, I think I did all the things. It's time to feed the cats. Right? Sure. Right. Okay, bye-bye.